Good evening, sports fans. Hello and welcome to episode number two of Not Just The Tip, the sports show by sports fan for sports fans. And in breaking news that should come to the surprise of absolutely none of you, Australia has successfully won the 2032 Olympics. Woo! Uh, we will go down in history as the first ever winner of an Olympic Games uh, in a who has won it completely unopposed. So, look, my thoughts on this, uh, regardless of all of the uh, political hoo-ha around actually getting it, I do actually think this is a good thing for Queensland and for Australia, uh, particularly because they've sort of changed the rules around a little bit this time in that you don't actually have to build brand new infrastructure for the games. So the old school rules, the IOC used to require uh, all host nations to actually build brand new stadiums and things like athletes villages and stuff like that. Uh, so you could have sort of the prestige of the games. Uh, that's no longer the case. And I, I, I partially think that that's part of, part of the reason why there was literally no other bidders uh, because the other cu countries that aren't really set up ready to go for it weren't interested in spending the money to uh, hold the event. Uh, also, really, the, the benefit of having the Olympics is way less than it used to be because uh, sort of pre-internet sort of 90s and, and uh, prior to the 90s, uh, the, internet, uh, the, sorry, the Olympic Games was great because it actually gave you the opportunity to have a lot of international coverage of your city and of your country, which is a great advertisement for uh, overseas travellers. Nowadays, if you want to know what Brisbane looks like, go on Google. So, look. It's, uh, it is a great thing. It is completely expected that we would have won this thing. So all of the fanfare and hoopla that's been made on the media in the last couple of days of will we or won't we get it, I'm sure we won it by 87 votes to nil. Uh, but regardless of that fact, uh, it will be good to have that event in 2032. And I know my little boy will be at a, a good age where it'll actually really interested him, uh, interest him. It'll be really cool to go and watch some of it. So... Second on my agenda. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through some of the sports from the last week first, and then we'll get into the tipping side of things. Because I think anyone, one of you that watched last week knows that my, my tips were pretty terrible, and we'll get into some reasoning behind that. But today as well too, the next big news item is the Milwaukee Bucks, NBA champions. Now, I watched this game live today. It was a fantastic game. The Suns really did all they could to actually uh, give themselves a crack at winning this game, but they just literally had no answer for the Bucks player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is an absolute superstar. Uh, let me show you sort of what I mean here. Check out this stat line. So Bucks win 105 points to 98. Now, this is Giannis's stat line here. So for a start, he had 50 points, okay? So we're talking 50 points. Then you've also got run through the rest of his stats. Now, he did have six turnovers, but when you're holding the ball as often as he does, that's probably fine. But five blocks, two assists, 14 rebounds. This one was a big one for me, his free throws. He was 17 from 19 from the free throw line. Now, if you'll recall last week's episode, I've been pretty critical of his uh, free throw shooting percentage. Uh, purely because it's been extremely low. I think last week, uh, sorry, the last game in, at Phoenix, he was only four from 11. So obviously that that trolling from the crowd uh, really does tend to affect him. But 17 from 19, obviously he worked on it. But check this out here as well. So he scored all of his 50 points from 25 field goals. So to put that in, in perspective for you, 
the entire team had 82 shots. So if you take Giannis's 25 shots out of that, that means that the that he scored 50 points from 25 shots. The rest of his team scored 55 points from 57 shots. So it just goes to show you how dominant a game he had. The, the Suns li- literally just had no answer for him. It was like watching old school bully ball games with, I don't know, like a Shaquille O'Neal or, or even... To a lesser extent, Yao Ming, just because of his pure size, they just had no answer. Uh, every single time Giannis went to the rack, he would, you generally, he would score. I mean, he was 16 from 25, so he, he was shooting at 64%. And obviously, he was getting contact every single time as well, which is actually sending him to the free throw line. So the scary thing about Giannis is he's only 26 years old, and I think he's just started. So he was the finals MVP as well, and I think that is well-deserved because he literally put his team on his back and he willed them to victory. So it was an awesome game to watch. Uh, even if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, uh, I know I've had some people slide into my DMs tonight uh, to talk, talk to me about the game and a few people still haven't watched it. I'd encourage you to watch it anyway. It was a really good game. Chris Paul did literally everything he could to try to drag his team back into it, but Giannis was just, it was just one of the best performances I've ever seen. So he was just on fire. Now, let's go back through through the week because there was some really big events this week. And so, obviously, last Wednesday night, you had State of Origin 3, and that was obviously where my lock of the week was. My lock of the week was Tommy Turbo, anytime try scorer. So, obviously, that was a no deal on that one. Now, you may recall, I did say that the Harbs pairing being out, so Nathan Cleary and Jerome Lewis being out, was probably going to change the makeup of the team. And I thought the game plan would have been get the ball out of the hands of those guys and into the hands of your Latrell Mitchells and your, your Tommy Turbos as quickly as possible. Uh, it didn't happen. And I was actually pretty frustrated watching the game, particularly on Latrell's side, because, look, Jack White and uh, playing 5'8", obviously he's more of a running 5'8", rather than a ball playing 5'8". But Latrell Mitchell, for me, I think he was pretty hard done by that he didn't win Man of the Series. He was the most destructive ball runner the entire series. So I know, like, Tommy Turbo, look, can't hold it against him, still greatly deserving. Uh, But Latrell, for me, really was the pivotal character for New South Wales throughout the entire series. Scored in every game, too. So as you guys know, Tommy Turbo didn't score in this game. So, uh, yeah, I really thought it was... It was a frustrating way to watch them play when the ball stopped at Jack Wyden every single time. The amount of times in an attacking zone that he dummied to Latrell and went himself, yeah, okay, he scored one try out of it. But when you think that you've got guys like Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adokar, Tommy Turbo, and Brian To'o, who are some of the most damaging finishers in the competition, and you barely threw them the ball in an attacking zone, I thought that was a pretty questionable uh, game plan. And I don't know if that was really the game plan rolling in. In saying that, the news has actually come out overnight too, uh, which is probably good that we've waited a week, is Mitchell Moses, who played his first game at halfback, who I was pretty critical on the night uh, to some of my friends about his performance. Well, it turns out it, 10 minutes into the game, he broke his back. So any criticism I gave him is all gone. Uh, to play the way that he did with a broken back for 17 minutes, which is now going to rule him out for the rest of the season for the Eels, that's huge. That is a, a monumental effort. Uh, and I do real, I feel really sorry for the Eels because they're a top four side. They've been going extremely well. 
they are they are up there with an opportunity to actually win this year. Whether that would happen or not, I mean, the two teams at the top of the heap are still the Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. I think the Melbourne Storm are highly likely to actually go on and win the whole thing. Um, I think a lot of it really will come down to uh, injuries and keeping your team list together towards the end of the season. But, you know, the Eels did have a chance to actually to, to contend this year and now to lose their halfback for the rest of the season is going to be pretty huge for them. Uh, some other massive games. So the Wallabies played France uh, in Rugby Union on Saturday night. And now I don't normally catch a lot of Rugby Union, but as the Storm were currently absolutely belting the Knights, uh, I flicked over because that game was getting pretty boring. Um, and I actually flicked over right on the five-minute mark and saw something extremely controversial, which was uh, Mar- former Rugby League star Marika Korobidi being red-carded and sent off for the rest of the game after the five-minute mark, for doing something that can probably only be described as just being too rugby league for rugby union. Uh, He just ran out, put a pretty hard shoulder-to-shoulder hit on someone. There was a bit of a whiplash effect to the the other player whose head sort of flicked around and hit Marika's shoulder. And so he got sent off for high contact. So that's obviously put a, a massive spanner in the works for, for the Wallabies. They had to play 75 minutes down a man. And for them to come actually through and, and win that thing 33 to 30 in the end was an absolutely monumental effort. So they ended up winning that series. Uh, that was huge. Uh, from doing a bit more research, and I'm apologizing if you can hear my son crying in the background. <laughs> Um, but from doing a bit more research, France is actually one of the favourites. Uh, I mean, look, obviously, no one's going to be a favourite over New Zealand in any World Cup, but France is actually one of the top choices to potentially challenge them to in the next World Cup. So for Australia to not only win that game a man down uh, for 75 minutes, but also win the series was an amazing effort from the Wallabies. So good on them. Now, speaking of rugby league-style incidents, uh, the games on the weekend were pretty good. There was actually some really close matches. I've seen a big difference in the way that the game is being uh, refereed. They're letting a lot more stuff go as far as high contact. They're just giving away sort of penalties rather than sending players off, which has been great. Uh, But if you were watching the Bulldogs versus South Sydney game on the weekend, and you would have probably seen Lachlan Lewis from the Bulldogs uh, at halftime, after the whistle's been called at halftime, wrestle Cody Walker to the ground in probably what is the largest brain snap I've seen on a footy field since probably Hopawati oil checking people. It was, it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen and an extremely dumb, selfish thing to do when the Bulldogs are on the bottom of the table, Souths are third. At the time that it happened, the Bulldogs were playing so well, they were actually up by two points going into halftime. And then Lachlan Lewis goes and does something ridiculously stupid, gets himself sin-binned for 10 minutes. During that 10-minute period, Souths put eight points on him, and that was the margin they ended up winning by at the end of the game. So if you would have had Lachlan Lewis on the field, continuing to play the way they did, now, number one, Souths may not have scored the points. Number two, the Bulldogs may have scored more points and gone on to win that game. Uh, so, look, that was that was about as rugby league as it gets. Uh, we've had a lot of rugby league incidents over the last couple of weeks. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, the rest of the round, there were some pretty great games. Um, the Cowboys and Roosters game was really close. Uh, I actually really enjoyed that game. Look, it was close until it wasn't. Obviously, the Roosters took over in the end. But prior to that, uh, it was actually a pretty exciting game. 
the in the Raiders match, uh, their young fullback Xavier Savage, who unfortunately I think is injured now and either out this week or out for the rest of the season. Uh, he is savage by name and savage by nature. Uh, he was a really exciting player to watch, really broke that game open and scored his first try on debut as well. I think he might have been on debut, but it was at least it was his first try this, of the season or first try of his NRL career. So he was really awesome to watch. So if you do get a chance to watch Xavier Savage play, keep an eye out for him. And look, as far as rugby league goes, uh, obviously there's three things that are uh, definites in this world. That is death, taxes, and the Broncos letting me down and screwing up my perfect round. So the Broncos actually rolled into their game against the Tigers as the favourites, which I thought was not unsurprising, but uh, so I tipped them. And they were like the, they were well and truly in that game until they weren't. So they were up, I think it was 24 points to 20 with somewhere around 20 minutes to go, and they ended up uh, losing 42 points to 24. It was a massive capitulation. So, look, I don't know what else there is to be said about the Broncos at this point in time uh, that has been left unsaid by anyone else. So let us just move on. So apart from the Rugby League, we also had the UFC event on the weekend. And... Now, look, the main event, you had Islam Makachev versus Tiago Moises. Obviously, that was my speculator of the week. Uh, that also went, uh-uh. Uh, uh. So, the fight largely went the way that I thought it was going to go. So, for the first three rounds, you just had Islam Makachev completely dominating every single position. So, the fact that you had uh, Tiago Moises engaging in clinch work, which was really dominated by Islam Makachev, just showed that Makachev had the striking advantage, he had the advantage in the clinch, and then when the fights went to the ground, he was all over him. Now, he kept trying to go for submissions, so rear naked choke. He kept There was a position where Tiago Moises was on all fours up against the cage, which he was defending extremely well because he is a black belt. He sort of knows what he's doing. He knew not to freak out, and essentially you had Islam Makachev on his back softening him up with punches and then trying to slip the arm in underneath the chin uh, to choke him out. And that happened for the first three rounds. And Moises defended extremely well. So I thought, okay, cool. That's how it's going the way that it's going to go. It's such a dominant position, that position on the back up against the cage. I was assuming that uh, Islam was just going to change up, just tee off on, on the side of his head and would have won by TKO. Unfortunately... He just did. He just stuck to the game plan, teed off on him, and then when Tiago made a mistake, slipped under the chin, uh, and finishes by choke. Now, to put it in perspective for you, uh, the odds makers had Islam Makachev winning by decision at two dollars by TKO, which is what I bet on at five dollars, and for him to win by submission was paying nine dollars because obviously Tiago Moises was an undefeated Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So. I can't help but feel like Islam Makachev just did that to send a message that he's the most dominant guy in the division right now. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see sort of where he goes to next. Uh, and I, I wonder who they're going to match him up against next. There's, there's talk of uh, matching him up against Daniel Hooker. Um, whether or not that happens, I don't know. He did call out Tony Ferguson at the end of it. I don't think that fight makes sense for him. Tony Ferguson's lost his last three fights, so I just I don't think that's the right step forward. He'll definitely get a contender fight in the next one, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, obviously, with that said, my bets for last week, clearly, 
I'm zero from two. So when I consulted the accuracy meter for last week, uh, my tips were about as accurate as the Mayan calendar predicting that the world will end on December 21, 2012. It's obviously the 21st of July, 2021 today. So that's about how accurate I went. But without further ado, let us go to this week's tips. So obviously we've got the scorecard here. Uh, I've put highlighted in red my two terrible bets. Uh, and obviously zero wins. So I've got a 0% lock win percentage and a 0% speculator win percentage. So let's get to this week's tips. Now, uh, they're all going to be on the NRL because we've got a, a UFC card coming up on uh, Sunday, which, to be honest, like it's not a very, it's not a great card. It's really not a great card. The main event fight, which is TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sandhagen, that is going to be a, a great fight. Um, I actually have no idea which way that goes. TJ Dillashaw is a former champion. He is on his return after a two-year suspension for EPO use, uh, which he got suspended for when he lost to Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight title. Uh, now, obviously, I'm not a big fan of drug cheats in any sport. Um, so, and Corey Sandhagen, by all rights, has a very good opportunity to win this fight. He's an extremely dynamic striker. He is taller. He is longer than TJ Dillashaw. He's younger than TJ Dillashaw. Uh, it looks like it's a fight that is easily winnable for Sandhagen. I wouldn't say easily. TJ is a beast. So, look, I don't know which way that one's going to go. My initial thought when I first saw the fight is I thought TJ would be the favorite, but uh, Corey Sandhagen is actually uh, the favorite in that fight. So, if Corey was the underdog, I think that'd be a really, really good bet. But paying a dollar fifty, I think the it's just too dangerous a fight to uh, to bet on. But regardless, I think that that main event's going to be uh, pretty spectacular. Actually, speaking of the UFC as well, uh, going back to um, last weekend's event in the co-main event, you had the return of Misha Tate, which I fanboyed about last week against Marion Renault. Um, Misha Tate looked. Fantastic. So she ended up winning by TKO in the third round. Uh, it was probably the best I've seen Misha Tate fight, maybe even ever. Now, you've got to sort of uh, take that with a bit of a grain of salt because obviously she was fighting a 44-year-old woman with a bit of a middling record. But in saying that, no one has ever finished Marion Renault in the UFC before. So for Misha to come back after it was actually five years of not competing and having two kids... For her to come back and be able to put on that sort of performance, it, it was it was awesome to see. Um, and again, I'm really excited to see where she goes to next from this. But without further ado, oh, we've got a special special guest visit from my boy Nate. May as well say hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Let's get up here. Oh, don't grab the mic. Hey, everyone. So Nate's supposed to be asleep, but obviously. He's not. So uh, let's kick on and hopefully I can be able to get through the rest of this before he loses it. Okay, so we're going to go to my tips for this week. So everything I'm going to tip for this week is going to be on the NRL because I think there is some really good value there. And there's probably a lot of stuff that you can look at yourself um, in regards to any time try scorers because with the... Can you try and take it? Thanks. So with the rule changes, uh, it means that I always look for the games where you've got a heavy favorite to win 
and look at multiing up a couple of their, their uh, potential try scorers because you can get some really good value. And in particular, uh, this week I, I have looked a lot at the Melbourne Storm game because obviously the Storm are... Uh, <laughs> excuse me, I'm just going to bring it up here. Where are we? So the Storm are paying a dollar five to beat the Cowboys. So obviously that's a pretty massive uh, line favoring them. Their actual line is currently 28 and a half points. So in other words, it looks highly likely that the Storm are going to score at least 30 points. They've scored above 40 points a record amount of times this season. So I think there's a lot of value in having a look at the Storm and their anytime try scorers, uh, which I have included in my speculator of the week. But my lock of the week, I'm going to go with the Panthers to beat the line. So at the time of writing this, the, the current line for the Panthers to win uh, to beat the line in, against the Broncos is minus 19.5 points. To put this in perspective for you, uh, sorry, that's a pay, and it's paying $1.90. So Panthers to beat the line of minus 19.5 points is paying $1.90. To put in perspective for you, the West Tigers, who are nowhere near as good as the Panthers, put 20 points on the Broncos in the last 20 minutes of last week's game to win by 20. So if the Tigers can do that, what do you think the Panthers are going to do to the, my poor hapless Broncos this weekend? I think it's going to be an absolute walkover for them. Uh, again, if you are looking for a little bit of value out of that game, I would look at potentially multing in a couple of the edge um, players to score some tries. So I'm talking like your Matt Burton, your Viliama Kikau, even Kurt Capewell. The Broncos are ridiculously weak on the edges, especially on their own try lines, and especially down their left-hand side with uh, the side that Brody Croft is defending on because he just gets exposed week in, week out. So I have rolled in two of those edge guys into my speculator of the week, but my lock of the week, Panthers to beat the line of minus 19.5 points, paying $1.90. Now, my speculator of the week is a blending of anytime try scores from a few different games. Now, I picked four guys. To be honest with you, I've, I've really tossed up who I think is the most likely. Um, there, there's so many combinations that you could have chosen. So you, if you choose a combination of any of the Melbourne Storm players, uh, the like, like your likely scorers in the Melbourne Storm, I'd even look at guys like Brandon Smith, Jerome Hughes, because they pay some decent odds as well. But for me, out of the storm, Justin Olam is is always great value at an anytime try scorer bet. Um, I would he's always good value at a first try scorer bet as well because the Storm do like attacking on that left hand side because you've got Josh Adokar out there, but also their fullback Nico Hines. He really plays extremely well when he gets in behind the line and plays like a, a sort of an extra running five eighth, and he generally goes to the left hand side. Uh, so there's a lot of value on Justin Olam. So that's why I've included him in as the first person on my anytime try scorer multi. Second person I've included is Ruben Garrick. So Manly, again, are fairly large favorites to win their game this week because you've also had the return of Tommy Turbo. Uh, Jake Trebojevic is back again this week as well. So Manly are paying, where are we? $1.15 to, again, beat the West Tigers. Now, Look, some smart money could go on Tommy Turbo to score as well. But if you do watch the Manly team play often, when Tommy is back and Ruben Garrick's on that left-hand wing, uh, Tommy just creates openings for him. And he's also a very selfless player as well. 
And Ruben Garrick's been in amazing form this season too, especially with the boot as well, which obviously gives you a lot of confidence. But I am expecting a walkover uh, for Manly to beat the, beat the Tigers. So I've included Ruben Garrick in on this one. And then the other two guys I'm including are Matt Burton and Viliame Kickout from the Penrith Panthers, to, uh, who are also paying $1.15 to beat my hapless Brisbane Broncos. I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Uh, Matt Burton and Viliame Kickout both attack on that left-hand side of the field. They play off each other extremely well. You've got the return of Jerome Luai this week as well, who plays down that left-hand side of the field. And I think that with Nathan Cleary out, he's going to be the dominant half in this game. So I'm guessing they're going to spend more time attacking down that left-hand side than down the right-hand side. In saying that, you could you could literally put almost the whole back line of the Penrith Panthers in an anytime try score a multi, and I reckon you'd probably have a really good chance of actually getting up. So that's my anytime try score a multi. Justin Olam, Ruben Garrick. So Justin Olam from the Storm, Ruben Garrick from Manly, and Matt Burton and Viliame Kikau from the Penrith Panthers. At the moment, that anytime try score on multi is paying $9.39, and I think that is ridiculously good value at that. Alrighty, so that about ties it up. We do have, obviously, there's a lot of NRL to be played this weekend. Uh, there's a lot of big favorites this weekend as well. So if you are looking to have a punt, obviously, you can look at. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in those anytime try score bets. So that's definitely what I'd be looking at. Uh, if you do take my bets, I hope you do have better luck this weekend, and I look forward to seeing you guys all next weekend. Enjoy the, best, the festivities. Have a good one.